you guys sharing the Word of God. Uh, so let's, let's pray that the Holy Spirit is going to be with us and is going to teach us this morning. Right, so the Sea of Galilee, uh, uh, if, we, if we just put it there in the, in the screen, that would be one of the top ten places I would absolutely love to go. I've never been in Israel, in that part of the world, but, and, and if any of you have been lucky enough to be there, I would um, you know, be really jealous if you have, because uh, is, uh, I, can, I can imagine me just going like, like in the movies when, when I was little, and uh, I used to see the, the James Bond movies, and, and, and um, I was all excited about it. And the first time I came to London, and I was just identifying all the buildings that I saw in the movie, I was like, oh, those things are real. So I can imagine me just going around thinking, oh, just imagine everything that Jesus did here. Multiply the fish, you know, and the miraculous catch, and calm in the storm, and all sorts of different things. And the first time that he called his apostles, so an exciting, exciting place. So I'm showing you all of this because the preach this morning is about the Great Commission. And uh, Jesus actually goes back to this place uh, to talk one more time with all the disciples and all his followers. So um, let's go back into, let's go into the Word and let's just keep that lake or sea in our mind. Matthew 28 1620. It will be there on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, it's in the page 1,028, uh, 16 to 20. And it says like this, the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. So um, I would like to, to talk or to... Um, observe four words um, this morning with you, uh, guys. Uh, one will be all authority, the other one will be therefore go and disciples. And I know that technically those are five words, <laughs> but humor me this morning. Right, all authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. We've been away as well, like Steve, we've been for two holidays, uh, two weeks on holidays, and I, I'm sure you all have experienced this, but every time you come back, you turn your television on just to catch up on the news, and the sport news have changed, uh, some, the weather has changed, but something that never changes is politics. Politics is always the same, and you're thinking, oh, man, what's going on? So there is always sad news, corruption, strikes, influence peddling, this trial, that other, embezzlement. This cannot be England, probably Latin America. <laughs> but we remember the famous phrase by Lord Acton. He says, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. What a truth. In those countries where political leaders have more power and more authority, well, that principle of power, that the power corrupts, can be seen more clearly. Believe me, I'm coming from one of those. But you know, really the problem is not the political system, 
is actually the heart of man. And it doesn't matter if it's a dictatorship or a democracy or a monarchy or a republic. The problem is really the heart of man. There's no good political system if the heart of man doesn't change. The heart is the, the one that is rotten. And we usually say, oh, you know, it will be good if everyone has a democracy. Yeah, it will be good. And uh, to some extent, it is good because in democracy, at least we can remove one politician and put another one when we want to. Uh, but we always go back to the, same, to the same thing. We have an example in the Bible, really, that we want to see with you. Um, it is in Genesis, and this is the story of Joseph. If you don't remember Joseph or you don't know Joseph, uh, this uh, was a man that had all the power that he could have in his hands. Pharaoh has given him all authority, all power. And what he does is he hoards, you know, all the lots of uh, grain during seven years, and after that he starts selling the, the grain that he actually has accumulated, you know, for the cattle of the people or, or the resources the people had, sometimes for the people itself, themselves. So even, you know, nation, na even neighboring nations came to Joseph to ask for help. His brothers and his family came to us for help. Joseph was literally the master of the life of everyone in Egypt. But the story of Joseph in Genesis actually typifies the Lord Jesus Christ story. Jesus has all the power. He's sovereign, but he's infinitely good. And that's why our hearts are calm. I guess the point here is like to have all power like Joseph had can be good. You know, if your heart is in the right place. Joseph was a good man, was a wise man, and overall, he was guided by God. But the problem is that sometimes when someone is sovereign, and is sovereignly bad. But when the sovereign is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our hearts are at ease. Because he's going to use that power for our own good. Joseph was a great politician. Joseph had absolute power. And Joseph won the favor of Pharaoh. But Joseph is a beautiful foretaste of what Lord Jesus Christ is now, is now, and that he has earned the favor of the Father. And the Father has given him all authority, all authority. He's the Almighty. And in these verses, we see that the Lord sends his disciples to make disciples of all nations. And we want to delve in these verses this morning because, um, you know, it's going to actually show us the missionary heart of God. And we can see that, what Lord expects from us in these verses, to announce the virtues of him who calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. I really like the way that the Great Commission begins. Jesus, Jesus could have said, I love the world very much. I love the sinner very much. So go and make disciples. And it's true. Jesus loves us and loves the sinner. But Jesus could have said as well, I have a wonderful plan for your life. Therefore, go and make disciples. But that's not the way Jesus started this uh, conversation. He says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. And those are exactly the words that those disciples at the time needed to hear. And those are the words that we need to hear this morning as well. Because their hearts were full of fear. And how our hearts sometimes are full of fear. Our hearts easily, you know, can be filled with that. 
But Jesus is in front of the disciples, and they tell them in total clarity, all authority is given to me. Fear not. You have absolutely nothing to fear, guys. I am the sovereign. I am the almighty. I am in control of everything. We are at the end of the Gospel of Matthew here, and the last words written in this Gospel at the end of his earthly ministry. You know, at this point, the Lord has been crucified. The Lord has been buried. He has been risen as well. He has risen. And he announced to the woman, hey, I'm going to meet you once more. Go and tell the disciples to go to Galilee, and I'll see you there. And surely he went. And as the disciple goes to Galilee to meet the risen Lord, once again, once again, we hear and we read in those verses how all the authorities were actually against Jesus. They were plotting against him. The, you know, the religious, they were bribing soldiers to say, no, 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 the, the, the body has been stolen. The elders were against the Lord Jesus. The context in which these words, you know, are spoken to us is that uh, Jesus is giving us the great commission and presenting himself as a sovereign king during opposition from all authorities. All earthly authorities are against him at that point. And he's speaking as a king of kings to us, his nation, his people. Christ is presenting himself as a victor of all things. He has defeated death. He has just risen. He has overcome sin. He has forgave all our sins. He has won over the devil. He, he just has won over the haters. And he returned from the region of dead as well. He has defeated all of enemies at that point. And as the victorious king now, now he says, all authority has been given to me. And I send you. I send you. I send you to extend the kingdom. I send you to reach all nations with the gospel. I send you to defeat all my enemies with my grace. And when I was thinking about this, this surprised me a lot. Uh, and I was thinking, uh, the Lord sent us to overcome with his grace. Sometimes how quick are, we are, right, to, to actually to judge and to and to, you know, get angry when, when we see sin or the enemies of Christ. I guess that I, well, I was thinking if, if, if the Lord was to give us his throne for just a minute, whoosh, we will send fire from heaven and burn everyone with anger. But he won't do that. So God is not going to win this with his wrath. And probably we will see his wrath. His wrath will come at some point, but not now. God is sending us to defeat his enemies with grace. And when you think about it, it's the best of the strategies. Unthinkable for us. Um, I was having a conversation with my son. I don't know where he is, uh, over there. About a game called Plants vs. Zombies. And I can see some of you are smiling because you have played that game a lot. So this game is about plants fighting zombies. And, and these little plants are chook, 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 firing and, uh, seeds, and the, the, all the seeds are, have different effects, right? And I, was, and I was playing with Liam, and actually it's a bit scary sometimes because the zombies are coming, coming to you, and some seeds, you know, makes the zombies into goats, some others destroys the zombies, some others puts them to sleep. But when I was thinking about the game, I thought, the design is actually forgot one important uh, weapon here. Imagine... If you were a little plant and one of the seeds could hit the zombie and make the zombie into a plant, that that plant could hit another zombie and make that zombie into another plant. 
probably the game would be boring. It would finish too early. Maybe that's why they didn't do. But can you imagine if the real world was like that? The worst wars were like that. You know, one army saying, yeah, we got bullets here that can kill you. But the other army could say, yeah, but we got bullets here that when they hit you, automatically make you into an ally, put our uniform on you, and now you are in our side. And you go for it, you know, fight for us. Imagine if we could see that. That would be an invincible army, right? And that's exactly what God does. Because his God wants to defeat us with his wrath. He literally would strike us down. There's no chance for us. But if God defeats us with his grace, he makes from enemies allies. He makes those who are rebellious and against the cross soldiers of Christ. You have the example of Apostle Paul. He was a persecutor of, the, of Christ, of the cause of Christ. And when the grace of God reached him, what happened? Who do we have? Just the man that went throughout the world planting churches. How amazing is that? The Lord wants in his grace to reach you as well if you don't know him. That's it. And let me make this a, par a parable of the 21st century. That seeds, when those seeds of the gospel reach you, a spiritual zombie, because you are dead in your crimes and sins, you are transformed by the power of God, and you become an ally, a son, a daughter. You become part of the family. You become one of us for the glory of God. How can God be so good? He turned his enemies into allies, orphans into sons, that now will serve him, worship him, and preach his good news to the world. If you don't know Jesus this morning, may his grace reach you. May the grace of God reach you. Well, the king is about to commission, to send his uh, you know, disciples into a world mission. And the first thing he says to them when they bow down to worship is, all authority has been given to me. Okay, I have all the power. I have all authority. There is nothing and no one that can actually resist me. The king sends us to something very big. It may cost many of our lives. It has cost many of our brothers and sisters their lives. It's costing some of them their lives, and it's going to cost others their lives. Many have lost jobs, families, possessions. Many have been exiled, persecuted. Many have been hiding like dogs in caves in the forest for the sake of the gospel, a very big mission that will cost us a lot, but has a great impact. A mission that has changed the history of humanity. A mission that has changed entire countries, marriages, homes, and lives. Now, as a prelude, Jesus says, hey, before I tell you something, I, I, let me tell you, I have all the power. All authority, and this is going to make absolutely everything uh, to have sense, makes, to make more sense. In his victory, you, sorry, he makes his authority very clear to us because in his victories where we have, you know, we have the conviction to continue forward before, despite all difficulties, until the last consequences. The Lord Jesus is saying to his people, hey, stop doubting, I'm going to entrust you with something very big. And he's telling us that to us this morning as well. Something transcendental. Where first of all, a brief introduction. I have all the authority, therefore goes, go. Jesus announces a complete power, a complete authority given by his Father. 
not by virtue of his heavenly origin, but by virtue of his earthly triumph. Everything was his, and everything now has been earned, both. The eternal son can say, all authority is mine, but the incarnate son of man, Jesus of Nazareth, says, all authority has been given to me. Now everything is his twice. So because he's the creator of all, and he's the conqueror of all, he's speaking as the triumphant king who has won the battle. And he says, everything is mine. Everything belongs to me. Everything is inherited. Everything is conquered. And if he's our king, and he has all authority over everything, he has all the power, we have nothing to fear. That's word number one, all authority. Number two, therefore... Now that the powerful introduction has uh, been done, um, and all power, Lord says, all power has been given to me on earth, the affirmation of the Lord, this affirmation of the Lord has to move us. It has to push us. It has to energize us. And after that, indicative of what Christ is, of what Christ has done, comes the imperative for each one of us. He has all the power. Therefore, we can go. He has all the power. Therefore, it doesn't depend on us. He has all the power. Therefore, we are his instruments. He has all the power. Therefore, the mission will be fulfilled. Go and make disciples of all nations. Thanks to the Lord that gives that introduction so that we don't think that the mission depends on us, in our own strength, in our own ability is in His power, in His presence, um, in His guidance that we can do what we must do. And we want us to, He wants us to know that any achievement is because He is with us until the last day. Jesus sent us to something as a consequence of what He has already done to conquer the world with his gospel, with the gospel. Just as we, you know, if you remember Joshua as well, another example when the Lord says, look, this is the land that I promised you first. Now go and conquer it. Now Jesus is saying to you, look, I'm sending you to the world. Go and reach hearts for the gospel with my message of grace. So those concludes the gospel of Matthew with a summary of what Jesus has entrusted us to do. A summary of what he expects from us. Go and make disciples. What does God expect from us? Go and make disciples. In the Great Commission, we also have a great conclusion of what the gospel is. Christ has done his work. He has achieved it in a powerful, majestic, perfect way. And now as a consequence of what he has achieved, you know, the salvation of our souls... All power has been given to him by the Father, and now he's sending you and sending me. He's entrusting us, and we need to see the relationship, the connection between his work and our work. What Christ has achieved and what Christ has entrusted us to do. And what is what Christ, is what Christ has done that enables us to do what Christ is asking us to do. All right. The gospel is like blood. Thanks God, the blood doesn't stay there in our hearts, right? It actually pumped all the way to the hands, to the feet, to these beautiful eyes. 
It doesn't stay there. So the gospel needs to be like that as well. It needs to pump through every single part of our body. The gospel needs to reach your hands, your tongue, your feet. You know, it needs to be seen everywhere in your ears, in your eyes, in your neurons. Runs through our veins. It is useless to meditate on what Christ has done if that doesn't move us to serve Him. It is useless to think about what Christ is if it doesn't change what we are. It is useless for us to know what the great truths of God if those truths doesn't, they don't transform us in any way. So the gospel describes what Christ is and what Christ said and what Christ did and what Christ achieved. But it doesn't, doesn't stop there, does it? We, see in the, we can read the Acts of the Apostles. We can see all the letters. Those guys really understood what the Lord was asking from them. And they took it very seriously. The ministry and work of Christ had an impact on them and has had an impact on us that need to move us. This, this moves the, the disciples to all nations. And in the same way, we need to move. Move. Christ carried out his mission. Christ won. Christ now sends you and me. Therefore, therefore, there is a connection between Christ what Christ did and what we are called to do. Third word, go. The Lord says go. You know that the, uh, when I was reading some, uh, preparing for this and I was reading some, some commentaries, um, uh, the, the, we found that the only imperative in the Great Commission is actually make disciples. Go is not an imperative. Go is uh, uh, just like baptizing and teaching that we just read before. Is a, a, a participle, and they characterize the ongoing, and this is the word I want to focus on, the ongoing process of discipleship to Jesus. So we could say something like, you know, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, therefore, while going, make disciples of all nations. Going, just as the Son sent the Father, and the Son said to the Father, here I am, send me, now we present ourselves before the Son and, and say, Hey, send us. We are embodying the work of Christ in our daily life. We present ourselves now that we have been bought and washed by His blood to tell Him, Here I am. Here I am. Every Christian is someone who is going, moving, leaving things behind, approaching to others. Every Christian is going, and that means an attitude in our hearts. We leave our, uh, you know, our comfort behind. We leave uh, our selfishness behind so that by going, we can reach others with the grace of the gospel of God. Every Christian is going. Are you going? Every Christian is going when he sits in the park with someone that doesn't know and uh, you know, casually starts sharing his faith. Every Christian is going when he thinks when he's in the library for the ones at university and have planned two hours of hard work and a, a friend comes to ask, you know, big questions about faith and, and Jesus and you stop studying to explain things. You're going. Every Christian is going when, you know, you're going home and you are only two bus stops away from home and, you, and someone, you know, is curious about, about, you know, why your life is different and you say, oh, I'm going to miss that to share my faith, to, fear, to share about Jesus Christ. 
Goin expresses the attitude of renunciation of the Lord Christ in our favor. He left his throne in heaven to come and dwell among us. Just imagine that. Christ was going, going, and Christ reached us with his grace. And if you don't know him, he wants to reach you with his grace. So going expresses something much deeper, I think, than an evangelistic effort or mission trip. And don't get me wrong things because those here, because those things are good. This is a, an attitude of the heart. We, we, we must always be going, always ready to move, always ready to approach, to resign, to abandon in favor of delivering the message that has been entrusted to us. It is not that the Christian is trying to go, it's that the Christian is constantly going. And it's true that going can be intentional, of course. Uh, we, when we prepare, you know, uh, brochures or little personal tracts, and we take the Bible, go to evangelize, and that's good. Or we send a missionary to another country, that's good, can be intentional. But most of the time, it's not going to be intentional. I'm sure you have experienced this. Um, most of the time, it's providential. I remember once that I was um, praying and saying, oh, Lord, please give me the opportunity to share with someone. And uh, someone gave me a lift and uh, suddenly thought, oh, my, I was praying too hard. We have, we, God gave us the opportunities. You know, the Lord has placed it, the opportunities. He's, it's providential. Most of the time, that going is not going to be intentional. The God, God is going to put it there in front of your nose. Open your eyes. Sometimes we have a life so millimetrically organized that we don't have time to waste and share with others. We need to have a missionary mentality. Do you remember, fairly quickly, Philip? He was told, go to the desert. He just went. He didn't know why. And there he found someone that was reading the Word of God, but without understanding it. And he went to him. He actually approached him. He was going. And he said, oh, what are you reading? I don't know. No one has actually has explained me this. And he took the time, and he jumped in the car, and they went off. You know, where he was going, Philip didn't know, but he didn't care. He just went. We will always be ready to give up anything to be able to share the Lord's God, the, the Lord word. Don't let the Ethiopian, this guy was the Ethiopian, okay, an Ethiopian um, guy that needed. Don't let his card pass next to you and you look the other way and leave him crossing the desert, reading something that he doesn't understand and with many questioning his mind. Don't, don't let them approach him. We have to assimilate sharing the good news as a lifestyle and be always going, always ready to announce the one who called us. Number four, disciples. If you remember, we said all authority, therefore, and go. And this is the last one. Okay, disciples. Therefore, go. Therefore, while going, make disciples. And this is the imperative in that command. Okay, make disciples. Disciples. The master is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who teaches us. We know that disciples mean, right? Disciple means a learner, a student, a pupil, someone that is on the teaching of another. 
When he wants to learn a trade, well, someone wants to learn a trade, he's a disciple or someone that knows that trade. Call it bricklayer, electrician, doctor, anything. You are under a master until you acquire the enough knowledge for you to be the master. But interestingly enough, uh, with Jesus, it doesn't work like that. We're going to be disciples, or we're going to make disciples of Jesus that will never be the master, that we're never going to have enough knowledge to actually be greater than him. So on this earth, whoever assumes the discipleship, whoever assumes being a follower of Jesus, sorry, knows that he will be a follower all his life. You're not going to graduate. We're going to be a disciple of Jesus until he calls us unto his presence. We're going to spend a lifetime learning from him how to be like Jesus. His emotions, his actions, following in his footsteps. We want to be like him. And we are, as a church, okay, disciples who makes disciples. Who makes disciples? Who makes disciples? Who makes disciples? Constantly, generation after generation. So our reference is always him. Always him. Okay, it's true that there are more mature believers who disciple the more immature. It's true, but the goal is never to be like one of the pastors, of the teachers, of the deacons in the congregation. The goal is always to be like Christ. If we imitate another brother, like Matt here, it's because he is imitating Christ. As Paul said, be imitators of me because as I am of Christ. Okay, what happens when, when you make a photocopy uh, uh, of this, and after that you make a photocopy of the photocopy, and after that you make a photocopy of another photocopy, and after 1,000 photocopies, what have you got? Nothing. Nothing, right? Well done. He got the right answer. <laughs> Nothing. Because, you know, it's just, just little by little, you're losing your, the, your original. The photocopies always need to be uh, taken or done with the original, with the original. And that is why Christ is our original, and we need to fix our eyes on Him, on Him. The, the Christianity has lasted 2,000 years now, and it's going to last way more until the Lord comes. But because we are making disciples out of the original, not copies. Therefore, first of all, make disciples. It's supposed that He sends us to make disciples of him, not disciples of Matt or John or Robert. We want disciples of Christ. He is the teacher. Christ enables you. That's why we really be able to be able to be disciples who make disciples. We have to be close to the Lord, close to the word, close to prayer. Jesus said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. Our trust is not in us. May, tr may you trust be in, G in, in, in Jesus and his strength and his ability. We are going to make disciples because he has all the power. At the Pentecost, believers receive the Holy Spirit, and we are told, you can read it later, in four, Acts 4.31, that they spoke the word with boldness. Boldness, sorry. They received the Holy Spirit as the, in the evidence. The proof that they had the Holy Spirit in them is that they spoke the word boldly. 
boldly. Gosh, that's a difficult word. With tenacity and with joy. And this one is another good one. In Ephesians 6, 19, the apostle Paul is asking the brothers to pray for him. And he says, hey, brothers, please pray for me so that when I open my mouth, okay, word may be given to me boldly, make known the mystery of the gospel. What? Paul, in football terms, you're a crack. Why are you asking for that? It's Paul. And he's asking for that. So thanks to the Spirit of God in us, that he will give us the words to speak boldly, tenaciously, promptly, as he has entrusted us to speak. We are his instruments. And just to finish here, the last one, disciples. Christ wants you to be a disciple. He wants us to make disciples, but he wants us to be disciples. Are you a disciple of the Lord? You don't need to answer. Yes, I was baptized 20 years ago, and I've been coming to church since. No, I'm not asking you that. Are you a disciple of Christ? Oh, yeah, I have read the Bible seven times, cover to cover, and three titles and Christian books. No, I'm not asking you that. Are you a disciple of the Lord? Yes, I've done Andrew Wilson's theology course three times. <laughs> no, I'm not asking you that. Are you a disciple of Christ? If you were inside the pages of the Bible now, would you be one of those Romans who rebuked the Lord? Or would you be just one of those Pharisees who trust in, his own, in their own mercy and intelligence? Or would you be one of the fishermen sitting on that hill in the Sea of Galilee, quietly at his feet, listening to the voice of Jesus of Nazareth? I would absolutely love to be there. <laughs> I hope you too. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Lord, you are so good. So, so good that you came to this world, gave your life for us, and you made us your sons, your daughters, your disciples. Lord, this morning we are reminded that we are on a mission. And uh, if we've been lazy or we have forgotten, Lord, that there is more people out there that needs to hear your word. You can help us. Help us to go, to move, to push, to leave things behind and be able to share your word with them. We want to be real disciples that make real disciples for you. And Lord, I pray for the people here that if they don't know Jesus, they, have, they haven't met you, Lord. I, I pray that they could have an encounter with you, like these disciples then in Galilee, that the encounter we have had with you, they have an encounter and they can leave things behind. You know, those nets, those taxes, that jar of water. Look, they can leave things behind and come running to you, that his, your grace can actually reach them. So, Lord, help us. Help us to be going all the time and to remember what your mission is and where our hearts need to be.
Amen.